podcast is scheduled for a one-hour time limit or a 10 count. Let's go to ringside. Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Jeremy Vollmer, and now the star of the show, Bobby Blaze. What's happening, Bobby? Jeremy, ain't a whole lot of nothing happening. You know that. I'm not the star of the show, man. I'm just a co-host of the show with you because you're listening to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast, and we just love having a good time. I'm glad to be here. We get some great interest music. We get some great topics, and it's good to talk to you. Because uh, you're my friend, man, and we get to talk about something we both love, and that's podcasting and that's professional wrestling. We're not talking sports entertainment. We're talking professional wrestling fans. And today we got episode number 15. Can you believe this, motherfuckers? We're on episode number 15, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, regional heels. Those antagonistic bastards that stir shit up and caused all kinds of trouble back in the day. And I can't wait, because you know what, Jeremy? I was one of those guys that always cheered for the heels. So I'm glad to be on a podcast. I'm not the star. I'm just a co-star, baby, because I know my job is pin me, pay me, and tell them what they can do in order to get a book from me or to go through your affiliate program and let them know how they can let us, you know, get get us something going here, Jeremy. Cause yeah, we're ready, absolutely. Ready hit the black top, baby. It's hot out there. Yeah. I'm going to spin our tire. We're going to burn that fucking rubber off of the fucking tire. We're going to leave streaks down the sidewalk and if you don't like the way the fuck we drive then stay off the fucking sidewalk you know what i'm saying because i am bobby the anti-mime blaze and i'm with my main man jeremy from the geekish cast vilmer let's tear this motherfucking show down jeremy yeah well let's get started with that real quick if you like these stories that bobby tells about his time as a pro wrestler you can get his books and read more about them you can find his first book pin me pay me if you go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, that will take you right to the Amazon page for that book. You can find his other book, I Kicked Out on 2, The Education of a Wrestler, at tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. Those are two easy ways for you to get some great stories from a guy who walked the walk and is now talking the talk, live the life of a pro wrestler. And those books also sponsor our show, so it's uh, more important that you go and get them for that reason. Bobby, we are coming to everybody this week live from the Cobo Hall in Detroit, Michigan. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Oh, yeah, man. You know, that's the thing, man. Back in the day, you'd always hear about the Cobo Hall. And from everything I've read, and I've read some really good stuff, of course, uh, one thing I heard about it was every wrestler that became a top wrestler at one time or another worked at the Cobo Hall back in the day. It was known as the Cobo Hall. It was opened in 1960 in Detroit, Michigan. It's now known as the Cobo Center. But here's the thing. When I was talking about those wrestlers that walked through there, you got to talk about guys like the Sheik, Boba Vazil, et cetera, et cetera. And it's the Mighty Igor and, and all those people because someone, which I'll get into in just a second, it was known as the house the Sheik built, even though they had other sporting events there, other big-time Wrestling was owned by Ed Farhat, the, the the original Sheik, and he it was known as the the Cobo Hall was known as the house that the Sheik built, 
And here's a couple of things I'm going to tell you that I know about, and I'm going to let Jeremy read about it. If you, you have something you want to read to us about it, Jeremy, you just want me to finish it out and go to our segue. Well, it just the only thing I think that's really worth pointing out, besides the fact that it was, you know, the Sheik's big-time wrestling was out of there, yep. is that it was also the host of the North American International Auto Show every year, which yep. is a huge, huge, huge automotive show. Um, that is really all I know about it because, you know, I grew up in California. And so that's what I wanted you to say. Yeah. That's what I wanted you to say. Because of this. Okay. <clears throat> a couple things I found out about I didn't have a, a, a lot to say about it, but I know there's a lot of history there. Uh, also, there's a film called I Like to Hurt People with the Sheik and the Funks and Dusty Rose and all them. If you get a chance, check that out. It's pretty cool. The auto show. But here's why I was going to go with it is this. I didn't know this until I'd done a little bit of fact checking. Martin Luther King's Jr., uh, I Have a Dream speech, was actually recorded there. He delivered that speech in 1963 at the Cobo Hall about six weeks before he presented it live. Someone from Motown, I think, went over and recorded it. It's released a single recording, I Have a Dream, by Martin Luther uh, King Jr. And as you know, in this show, man, we love all human beings. We don't care about your race, your sexuality. We don't care about your nationality. We just care about you as a human being. And I thought that was pretty awesome, man, that Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his I Have a Dream speech there in 1963 prior to delivering it about six weeks later in uh, Washington, D.C. Kiss! Played there numerous times. They said Kiss go together like peanut butter and jelly with the Kobo Hall. And I think that's pretty damn cool because I was a Kiss fan back in the day. And, you know, Kiss Alive and Kiss and, and Rock and Roll Destroyer and, and all that. Of course, you got that movie, uh, uh, Detroit Rock City. Uh, I, I wrestled in Detroit so lots of times. I never got to wrestle in a Kobo Hall because we went up to the, uh, uh, I was on a couple of pay-per-views, uh, World War III with WCW back in the day, of course, is after the fact. But we was up to the palace, man, a few few uh, exits up. But uh, the Doors played there. And uh, back in May, when I was at the uh, Bobby Fulton retirement show, I went to the Fan Fest portion of it. I met a guy named Dave. I uh, hope I get this right. Berlazinski, and he told me he was official photographer, and now he's an official historian. He started in 1965 taking pictures for uh, big-time wrestling, and um, he told me a couple of stories, and I thought that was pretty cool. And again, Kobo Hall, the person that ran it was the original Sheik, the one Sheik. Kobo Hall, was, they ran big-time wrestling out there, and I'll have a funny little story I'll tell you about the Sheik later on. Maybe... If you stick with us long enough, and I quit rambling for a second. But what I want to tell you is this. I didn't know it. I was going to lead us to our top 10, episode 15, greatest of all time, regional heels, the antagonistic bastards that stirred the shit. And we're coming to you from the Cobo Hall in Detroit, Michigan. And believe it or not, in 1984, a young, beautiful lady was Nancy Kerrigan a figure skater for United States of America. She was attacked there by a masked assailant. And she was supposed to perform a couple of days later over at the uh, Olympic trials at the Joe Louis Arena. But someone got her behind the leg or across the knee. Some sneaky bastard, and you all can go fact check, read, go watch I, Tonya, go fucking look up Nancy Kerrigan. But here's what I thought was a great segue. 
the article said Nancy Kerrigan. This is off like 2020. This is off like uh, uh, NBC Dateline, whatever the fuck you listen to. But this is back in the day. Nancy Kerrigan attacked by mask assailant. And that happened at the Cobo Hall in Detroit, Michigan, way back in 94. So you're talking Olympic uh, trials and someone uh, fighting, fighting, fighting. Those people in Detroit, crazy up there fighting. So with that said, let's take us to the greatest of all time, regional heels, Jeremy, if you don't care. Um, but that's what I have on the Cobo Hall, man. I never got to wrestle or work there. I got to drive back. I stayed three different years. I stayed in Detroit for about a week doing a loop there, WCW back in the day. And we went up to Ann Arbor and Saginaw and, and down to the Lido. And we'd done the loops that they used to do back in the day with old big-time wrestling that the Sheik had when they ran the territory days. But here's the thing, you know, I I, I got to see the uh, Silver Dome. It looked decapitated, whatever how you fucking say that word. Got to drive by Tiger Stadium before they rebuilt it. Uh, saw the auto industry going down. I saw a fucking bunch of fucking buildings, you know, and this and that. Got to saw, uh, got to see Kobo before they renamed it. Joe Louis Arena, all those things. I had some good times in Detroit. Sometimes a little bit off the road when you go to way that I went, but I, I, I stayed where I had to stay, you know, and saw what I saw. Here's so, a girl, figure skating, gets attacked by a mask assailant, and we go from pro wrestling to ice skating and a lot of shit in between, and that's what took place at Kobo, and that's going to take us to our heels, those heel yeah, so, motherfuckers. So, Bobby, I feel I would be remiss if I didn't just ask, were you anywhere near the Kobo when Nancy Kurgan got uh, whacked in the knee? Uh, no, no. Um, you know, there was a guy in Smoky Mountain Wrestler that wrestled as Kendo the Samurai, but I wouldn't know anything about that either. Uh, in 94, uh, no, no, I was down in Tennessee. I, I was many miles away from uh, uh, mm -hmm. Detroit. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, no. Uh -huh. I, don't know, I don't know nothing. Okay. I don't know nothing. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Know I nothing. just, yeah, I figured I'd ask. Uh, did I, you, you know. start recording? Did you start recording? Because I don't, hey, listen, I retract anything that said anything in the last two hours. I don't know nothing. All right. I all read right. that. that, that was, that's fact checked. I don't know. I don't know nothing. Hey, just saying that you, you have worked under a mask. Um, you know, what, the other thing is with the Kobo, I imagine a lot of people got attacked by a masked assailant there. Absolutely, that's yeah. my point. That's um, that's good stuff. No, we just uh, my wife and I just watched I Tanya this weekend. So when you brought that up, I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right on. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to our top ten greatest regional heels. We do have to kind of every time we do a top ten list, we we have to give some specifics because. Guys, we want to do more than 20 episodes, so we have to have specific rules we play with in each episode so we can revisit a topic without being redundant. So I believe on this list we're not going to have any managers, right? Right. It uh, doesn't look to me like anybody really passed. I mean, there are guys who were still wrestling after the mid-'90s, but everybody on here started in the late-'70s to mid-'80s. So there's not going to be anybody super modern on this list either. Yeah, and, I think you're right. Yeah, and um, here's the thing. So Bobby and I both like to cheer, cheer heels. So there's going to be a couple guys <laughs> on here who are kind of similar to each other in a few ways. So 
there will be revisiting some themes along the way as we go. Yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, oh, no, no, no. I was going to go ahead and launch into it, but let's. where were you headed with that? What I, where I was headed is this. Everyone probably knows by now, Terry Funk is my all-time favorite wrestler. He was a heel most of the time, but I, he, he's not on this list with good reason. So with that said, we go through a process, and, and we had several names. I'm just going to, do you care if I name drop a couple people that no, did no, not no. make our list? That's where I was going with it. Terry Funk didn't make the list, so you have no problem me mentioning some that were sent in that didn't make the list that I thought were great candidates, but we have to go to, it's not a top 15, it's not a top 20, it's a top 10, and we have fun with this, and we want you to enjoy it and be entertained, and we want you to have fun with it as well, but we also, it makes both of us think, and I cussed Jeremy the other day for making me think even more harder than I have to think sometimes, but with that said, you know, I I, I wanted Terry Funk on that list, but he's not on it, and I, I love Terry, at great heel, but also brought up by several people, the mass superstar, uh, several people, man, they put him over, and what a great heel he was. Uh, Bill Eady is one of the greatest big man of wrestling of all time for a big, strong guy and mass superstar of his programs. Uh, Ole Anderson, what a heel, you know, what a heel in that territory. Cause again, we're going regional guys. We're going regional. Um, someone put in her Kamala used to scare him to death as a kid. And I remember Kamala debuted and he was in the Sudan or somewhere in Africa or whatever. And it was Jerry Jarrett's backyard. Of course, I didn't know that at 15 years old, I'm thinking, holy shit, who's this guy running around in a fucking, you know, backwoods or backland or outland of Africa. But someone wrote in about that. Um, someone put in Ted DiBiase. Several people mentioned him. Uh, I think I sent it to you and, and you sent me something back. And it's one of those things where we know, you know, when Ted worked out in uh, Mid-South, what a heel he turned out to be. And also eventually uh, that Million Dollar Man, what a fucking prick that Million Dollar Man was, you know, uh, in, in WWFE slash whatever. And then someone wrote today and I thought this was great. What a fucking heel. And I knew him really good was uh, Buddy Landell. Uh, another great heel, but he's not on our list. And and I and I love Buddy, and Buddy loves me. But I think we still got heat. I spoke to him up till probably two weeks before his death. Buddy and I had one of these on again, off again relationships that's totally to, built on total respect. Buddy was a hell of a heel. He just didn't make our list, you know. So I, if you have anyone you'd like to add to that, Jeremy, kick one in now. And if not, we'll start in with our top ten because I think what we came up with was a hell of a list for our top 10 uh, greatest heels of all time in the regional age of professional wrestling, which Jeremy had just discussed a few seconds ago, that, um, you know, a lot of these guys started, if not the late 60s, at least the early 70s through the 80s through the 90s kind of deal. So you're not going to find a lot of recent, and somewhere around 97, 98, I don't know when, might be off by a year or two, Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, or fans correct me if I'm wrong. At some point, people stopped cheering for baby faces and heels. They, 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 they started cheering for their, the, the wrestlers they liked, the, the ones they wanted to get over and this and that. But I just think it was so much better when it was black and white, when it was like, okay, this guy wears a black hat. He's a heel. 
This guy wears a white hat. He's a baby face. This guy's an American. This guy's a Russian or put any country you want in there that was during the Cold War years, during um, keep on going through, uh, you know, 2001, whatever. I'm just saying you had legitimate people that were good guys and bad guys. And we get to a couple of these people on this list. I didn't know even the term, what the term heel meant until I got older in life, of course. And then I got into business, et cetera, et cetera. But there was good guys and bad guys. And we're talking about the fucking bad guys. So. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I'm going to, we'll expand on this a little bit too, as we go, because I do find it interesting. Um, but we need to get moving because these episodes do have a tendency to get away from us. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to go with number 10. I'll go ahead and start here. Number yep. 10, Gino Hernandez. Gino, yeah. <laughs> I I first learned what actual hatred for a wrestling character was because of Gino Hernandez. Every time that smug little bastard was on my TV, I felt like Elvis Presleying the TV. <laughs> you gonna shoot Robert Goulet? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, you gonna shoot Gino Hernandez oh, though, instead of Robert Goulet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't. You know, when you're younger and wrestling just is what it is, and, and you don't realize that you can tell that guy's good because he made you hate him. You just hate the son of a bitch, no matter what. Yeah, that's what Gino really had going for him. Um, if something about him was especially, I don't know, just just repugnant. And yeah. and and the thing is, you could tell by t- you know looking at the guy and what he did when he's talking about you know chicks putting out for him and money and drugs flowing his way. He's not fucking around either. He was just playing himself, dialed up to eleven. I think you're right. Yeah, I know you're right. And I'm not going to add a whole lot to that because I think you're 100% right. Um, I think, well, I shouldn't be able to think because we don't know what would happen had he lived. But Gino was just one hell of a heel. And for him to come in at number 10, that's a great way to open our segment up. And I agree with you. He was one of the greatest all-time heels on a regional basis and he was just that a, a fucking heel that people hated and he done it great and like you said it was just him only dialed up to 11 and so i think that's a great choice a great way to open our segment up with uh number 10 gino hernandez yeah i i think you could certainly f- find much worse heels than gino i would have loved to have seen what his career could have been you know, going into the the nationalized promotions, I think it would have been great. But just Gino and Chris Adams, their feud against each other, and then as a team against the Von Ericks. I did find out one interesting thing about Gino, and then we'll move on, is that uh, Baby Doll was with him under the name Andrea the Lady Giant at one point. And uh, I don't know if she was a manager, but I do know they wrestled a couple intergender tag matches together. Had no idea. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that was kind of cool. But Gino Hernandez coming in at number 10. I guess they used to call him the half-breed heartbreaker. Because, yeah. Yeah, because the 70s were tacky like that. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> That's pretty good. It's taking me to a share song. Gypsies, <laughs> tramps, and thieves. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, cool. The handsome. He was. What did you say? I, I the the. Um, Damn it. Well, the, the one I came across <laughs> was the half-breed heartbreaker. Ha- yeah, I was going to say the handsome half-breed. Oh, maybe so, that was it. Fuck. Maybe I, maybe I wrote it down I don't know. Wrong. It got yeah. me thinking. Uh, that's just, you know, hey, that's great. But, yeah, he was a hell of a heel. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let you do again some of the speaking, other than I'm going to tell a quick story about who I... Number nine, the great Kabuki coming in at number nine, blowing the mist with his manager, Gary Hart. And then you could tell me a lot more about it. I'm sure that I'll tell you something goofy, funny, silly, whatever. Oh, sure. I went number nine with Kabuki, would you? Well, the great Kabuki, uh, you know, scared he, people. well, that was just it. He was terrifying. Even though he, when he first got to WCCW, I didn't remember this. He was a face. They used him against Jim Cornette, but apparently the few times that he was a face, he could flip out and lose his shit anyway. So, he was kind of a tweener, even when he was a good guy. Okay. But the great Kabuki was known for being the first wrestler to spray mist in people's faces as they during the match. Mm. He also, the Kabuki, the great Kabuki did something a little different, too. He'd come out wearing either like a ninja mask or a no mask or something almost like from a Japanese opera looking kind of thing. And then when he'd unmask... His hair was down on his face, and his face was painted. So you never really got a good idea of what he looked like. You just yeah. knew he looked like he was going to whip your ass. <laughs> and, of course, you know, there's the green mist, which the green one makes you go blind. The red one kills you, and the purple one sends you to the Phantom Zone. I'm pretty there sure. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say real quick, I did discover, and I didn't know this, is that when he was first, so he was with Gary Hart most of the time. Yeah. And Gary Hart had actually created a backup Kabuki so they could send they could send another guy as the great Kabuki to other territories <laughs> when Gary had already made commitments on their time. Okay. And originally they billed the great Muda as Kabuki's son. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense though. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, back then yeah. Asian Asian guys were still kind of mysterious. And like we said before about Chris Adams, the super kick. No, not everybody knew how to throw a kick back then. So anything even kind of martial artsy looking was impressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the great Kabuki also super kicked your buddy uh, Jim Cornette. Uh, yeah, and he put it over on his podcast. Yeah, so that's cool. And then also, you just brought something up. Uh, Muda had he was one of the guys we took off our list as a mm-hmm. heel, and we went with Kabuki because he's more of an original, and because of our uh, uh, us and being fans and our fan base, etc. The 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 funny thing I was going to say is that Green Mist is one thing. The red remind me of a. Uh, uh, I know Tech said something, and then you just now said it, but it's like. Uh, uh, at the end of Sling Blade, and Carl's like, who do you call for an ambulance? And then Doral says, call 911. And he goes, well, I aim to kill you. And he said, well, then you better tell him to send a hearse, too. <laughs> you know, so the green mist was, you know, he called 911. The red mist just called a fucking hearse. <laughs> yeah. Because it's death. You know, the thing about Kabuki, um, the martial arts, the uh, nunchucks, uh, the... The, the mass, the mist, the, the mystery of it all. The the thing I'll tell you real quickly, and I think it's a great number nine, 
And I, I recall, I, I didn't know he came in as a baby face, but you said that. And then also, I just had recently heard where he had kicked Jimmy Cornette, uh, super kicked him. I, that's great stuff. When I was in England, I went over on a tour there for about, you know, five or six weeks or whatever. We went to, I worked with, uh, several people. I won't go into great details about it. Maybe that's another episode, but one of the guys I was working with was this young German kid and I had to help him out and, Man, there were some, there were some English legends there that, that, you know, were helping with the shows. And we was in this big hall over in London. It was one of the time I got to work in London. And, uh, I want to say like Stephen Wright was there, uh, Tony Sinclair, uh, several other people were there to see this German boy I was working with. And the thing was, I went over, which was cool. No big deal. I would have gladly put him over. This big kid's name was Martin. But anyway, so in the locker room on that show, they hired these two people. And to this day, I don't know because so many people come up to you and tell you who they are or who they were. And about a year later than that, I met a guy who came up to me in a locker room in West Virginia. This guy was about five foot fuck all, blind as a fucking bat in the daylight. And he said, hi, uh, you may not remember me. But you probably bought one of my masks or my T-shirts from a magazine back in the wrestling days. Uh, I was the original Dr. X. And I looked at this fucking guy and I thought, buddy, you probably wasn't even a fucking coal miner, you cocksucker. Get the fuck out of my way. Go fuck yourself. And I said, hey, Dr. X, thank you. Nice meeting you. Thank you. Whatever. And our ring announcer bought it hook, line, and sinker who was about a 50-year-old guy at the time, going, oh, I always wanted to meet you, Dr. X, and fucking just marked out for the guy, which takes me back to Kabuki. While I was in England on this one show in London, they said that the original Kabuki was going to be on the show. There was some old guy walking around in fucking face paint, makeup, etc., whatever you want to fucking call it, I don't even know, with a mask and this and that. I don't know. God, you know what? It could have been a fucking kid for all I know. Uh, I, they said it was a great kabuki. I don't think it was because his manager that night was also introduced as... Uh, now, it was a solid show. And I was there with some talented guys. Some guy like Robbie Brookside and and uh, uh, Paige's dad. What's his name? Fucking uh, 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 Ricky Knight. And I was, I was with uh, uh, Chad Collier, some American guys, some Mexican guys. Whatever. Nonetheless... This other guy that was going to manage him, his claim to fame was he had taught Phil Collins how to play drums as a young boy. He was Phil Collins from Genesis, the the rock band, Genesis. So you got these two fucking people running around the back of the fucking locker room. What they were running as fucking geriatric cocksuckers, uh, claiming to be Kabuki and claiming to be I'm the man that taught. My claim to fame is I taught uh, uh who the fuck did I just now say? God Phil, damn it. Phil Collins. Uh, Phil Collins, how to play drums. And, you know, he becomes a drummer and then eventually singer for Genesis and, and Kabuki, of course. And, and, and total, that's the kind of fucking idiots and fucking people you meet on a, in, on the road in the world of professional wrestling. I know it wasn't the original Kabuki. I know it wasn't the fucking cocksucker that taught Phil Collins how to play drums. I know the fucking Dr. X is a little fucking short 
saw-off cocksucker, looked like a fucking half a fucking egg roll bitten off of in West Virginia, wasn't Dr. X. But that's the kind of fucking people we have to deal with, and that's the kind of stories I'll just fucking tell you. So number 10 is Gino Hernandez. (laughs) Number 10 is the real fucking kabuki that scared the shit out of people and worked and made money around the world and had Gary Hart as a manager, and that takes us to number 8. From fucking uh, the superstar Billy Graham. How's that? Just use that segue because I get off on a tangent and I hate fucking cocksuckers that tell me that they were so-and-so back in the day. I could walk up to the show today if a mask want to say, yeah, I was the mask debater or the mask cocksucker. And either way, I'd probably be right. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I could tell you I did this and did that and I did nothing. I did fuck all. What I did was this. I did pro or professional wrestling and we're having a fucking good time on our podcast so there's my rant there's my rave and don't let me go off anymore jeremy because i'll get off fucking time our 60 minutes will be up fucking uh want to throw us out whoever that's okay because i gram at number eight people have been asking us to come out with 90 minute episodes and i was over here going well we'll shoot for an hour because that seems to be about our comfortable spot right Right. And then I started getting, well, maybe you guys should go 90. And now I'm thinking, well, fuck. <laughs> if we keep this up, the next thing you know, we're just going to have to go on live and just talk for a week. Sounds and, like it. Yeah. But I'll but I tell you what. At some point, it's just like I do a hooker, man. I'm not paying to fucking keep you around, honey. I'm paying to get your ass out of the car. So, anyway, I'll do 60 with you. I'll do 90 with you a week. I don't know, man. We need to take a fucking bath or something. Yeah. But, hey, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, it's well, number eight is superstar Billy Graham. I don't know anything um, about hookers, by the way. No, I didn't figure you did. That's why. That's why I, I moved. Read it. That's why we worked hard to get you off the hookers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I worked hard to get in them. <laughs> oh well, man! Hey, and I won't be here all week. But no. anyway, <laughs> superstar but, uh, Billy Graham, go on, brother. Preach it well, to us. <laughs> superstar Billy Graham was. Okay, so he was kind of the start of the badass, muscle-bound, bodybuilder wrestler. I mean, there might have been guys before him that were, you know, in that area, but he was really the start of the arrogant heel who looked like a million dollars. Without Billy Graham, you don't get Jesse the Body. You don't get guys like Rick Rude, Austin Idol, Hulk Hogan, a whole stream of guys. Uh, uh, Billy Graham also had the advantage of being able to piggyback onto the Graham family. Dr. Jerry Graham, who were the others? Luke and... Eddie and Luke. uh, Crazy Luke uh, and Eddie Eddie Graham out of Florida. Crazy Mm -hmm. Luke. And then also, who you mentioned, uh, Dr. Jerry Graham, one of who I guess is Vince McMahon's all-time favorite. Yeah. So, yeah. But they were all that kind of crazy, wild, uh, super badass heel group. Um, then you just take, you know, Billy Graham was just this big, mean-looking, ripped and shredded, huge dude. They had some great matches. Could really, you know, help get a, a baby face over in his territory. They put the title on him. You know, uh, I, I don't know how many ways to go, except that he was kind of an innovator of that type of heel, he looked like a million dollars doing it, and people still to this day are kind of capping off of his character a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I just, I, he really was kind of a, a starting point of a whole new direction in pro wrestling. Yeah. And I think the things I could tell you about him is this is as a heel, first of all, he had that rap. We're going to get to that later on. 
uh, with some of the other people, I'm sure. But he had that rap, that way of talking. He got over with his speech. He got over with that great fucking body. And it wasn't that he was such a great, and I always say, and I, I, I was talked to Buddy Landell about this several times. I'd heard it before. I've, I've known it to be true since. You could take a lot of ingredients to make a cake. You could take five, but we'll eliminate down to three. And we'll say, okay, it takes flour, and it takes sugar, and it takes milk, or it takes flour, uh, eggs, and, 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 and milk. You, you Generally, someone that makes in the wrestling business has three of those ingredients, if not all three or four or five. It's a real basic formula. But Billy Graham had the ingredients of a great body and a great talk. Wasn't the greatest worker of all time, but he knew how to work like Lawler. You know, what is this? This doesn't have to be a great, and I'm not saying anything to dig towards Lawler, Lawler not being a worker because he was a great worker in entertainment. That's what Graham did. He learned to work his gimmick. And the other thing is, uh, and I heard this about Sylvester Sloan and Terry Funk walking through a parking lot one time. Uh, back in Texas, and, and all the fans come running up, and Stallone thought all the fans were coming to him for uh, Paradise Alley, and, and or excuse me, before production of Paradise Alley, and, and they thought, you know, it was Rocky, and they thought, oh shit, you know, here comes uh, Sylvester Sloan. There's all the see Terry Funk. Same thing. Uh, Muscle Beach back in the day, Venice Beach, California. Arnold, a young, a young Arnold Schwarzenegger is walking with superstar Billy Graham down the beach. And all these people come running up, especially the chicks, man. And Arnold thinks, how over am I? This Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger, man. He's thinking, how over am I? All these girls coming up to see me. And guess what? They was all there talking to superstar Billy Graham. That's fucking getting over, man. It was a, of course, he was a young, unknown Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time, but he had a great fucking, one greatest physique of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And then all those fucking people come and are flocking. They're flocking to see the superstar, Billy Graham, the man of the hour, the man of the power, too sweet to be sire. He had all that talk, all that walk, and had that great fucking body, had that great run. Um, so, yeah, let's finish up with uh, number eight, superstar Billy Graham. He carried that Graham name, and he carried it well and was a, a, a great champion with it. And, and still, we're going regional, but at that point, it was regional, and it was all up in that whole East Coast region. So, yeah, let's shoot to number well, seven if you don't care. If well, you know, got some things to add, please I'll, do. I'll just throw this in there real quickly. That, please um, do. Throw it in as slow as you want. I don't give a fuck. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he was, you know, he was – yeah, he was WWF champion, but when he left there, he also went down to the 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 LaBelle territory in Los Angeles and worked there. Mm-hmm. He also went to the CWA where I believe he was the first CWA champion. Uh and Jerry Lawler took the title off of him if I'm not mistaken. Your favorite favorite beautiful title belt. Oh my god, that thing just, you know, I I don't want to shit on something, but I would wipe my ass with it if I owned it. Right. That's, uh, that's it weird. just it, it just looks like a license plate or something like a license plate <laughs> gone bad. Well, it's made in Lagrange down here in uh, East, uh, Central Kentucky at the uh, State Penitentiary. So yeah, that's well, what they made it. That I heard some used license plates. I heard that the AWA one of the AWA titles was actually built in a prison. 
I, that's what somebody well, told me one time. It might have been stolen from a prison. Yeah, I don't it might know. have been, yeah. But anyhow, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there that Graham, yeah, he was he was a Northeast guy, but he did he did his time in the uh, regions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he absolutely did. Yeah. He worked out up there a little bit. He went to uh, down Atlanta and done some stuff. He he done a lot, or Mid-South, or Mid-Atlantic, I should say. I, I said WCW. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he, he out there in California, that's where it took place with him and Arnold, I mentioned. So, yeah, mm-hmm. he before it was, you know, WWE, WWF and WWF and WWE. I know I get tired of fucking saying over and over and over and over and over, but whatever. Point is, he had been a few places and done a few things and was over with that fucking body and with that talk and his ability to get and work. That's the key to what he did. He learned to work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there's that, that distinction we can make too between like a wrestler and a worker. Look, Billy Graham was such a big son of a bitch. All he had to do was throw wild overhand rights, and he could look like he was going to hurt you. He didn't yeah. have to get in and, quote-unquote, be a scientific wrestler. He had power moves that would just put a hurt on you. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go from Billy Graham, and I, I know I know you do this for me because I was such a fan of this next guy that I know he comes back again and again, and I, I know it's because I was such a fan that you do it, and I appreciate it when you do it. But Ravishing Rick Rude comes in at number seven. Yep. And he was a heel, man. Oh, he was a major heel. Um, yeah, I kind of count him in the same territory as a uh, superstar Billy Graham. Because Rick Rude's look was just so impressive, you know, he looked like he was chiseled out of something more yeah. than you know, more than just like a bodybuilder. This guy looked like he was like some Greek statue. You, you combine that with just his look. Look at the look on his face when he'd come out and he'd mug at the camera and you know shit like that. You wanted to slap the shit out of him. Yeah. I put Rick Rude in the same category as a Gina Hernandez and yeah. as a Billy Graham where their talk and their look and everything built such a character that it made you actually detest the son of a bitch who was behind it. And that's the thing about him with me, and that was this. I knew he had been in the service. I knew he was a Minnesota guy because he debuted, it, or I do remember when he debuted in Memphis, what a great fucking physique he had. He had been a world champion, I don't know, uh, Number one, but he had been in the world championships of arm wrestling. He came from that whole group of Minnesota guys. But the way he came into the old uh, Memphis territory, he had that great physique. He could already talk, and he was he was legitimately known as a badass. And when he came in, though, he kind of acted like uh, – Somewhat of a pussy, even though that wasn't his, his character at all. I told a story before in a show about him telling someone in Florida that was harassing him from the stands, and they met out back, and, 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 and Rick Rue could just kill this fucking guy. Mm-hmm. But he looked at him and said, have you ever been caught a cunt? And the guy just fucking walked away. I mean, you just, you, you just, you know, you know what's best, you know. So the thing was, he had a program going on with Savage, at the time. And back then, you know, Rue came up with his great body, had his great girl with him, and uh, blah, blah, blah. And each week, though, before the buildup, every time Savage come up, he'd say, oh, no, Mr. Savage, uh, uh, Randy, or the, hey, Mr. Macho, or whatever. 
and he would put Randy's body over. You got a better body than me. Your arms are bigger than mine. Your girl's better than mine. You can wrestle better than me, you know, and all those. And it was a classical heel move. It's like setting you up going, no, 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 no. I'm backpedaling. I'll talk shit behind your back. But once the camera's rolling, and then, of course, the cameras are rolling when he's talking to shit. So, you know, he, he's just setting up a classic heel. And, and Savage came in as a heel. So it's hard to get that over. But they got it over so good because Savage was so fucking intense with it. And, of course, it went on from bigger and greater things. Of course, he had, you know, like you said, WCCW, uh, eventually WWF and, and all those things. Uh, Florida Championship. He was another guy. Great body could talk, could work, had all the ingredients of the fucking, uh, was a legitimate badass, had, had to, uh, everything, all the ingredients to make that cake, he had all those fucking ingredients to make a great wrestler. And, and more importantly, because we're going over this, greatest of all time regional heels, he had that ability to be just a fucking classic fucking heel, man. Yeah. And, man, you hated a guy. He could steal your fucking woman. Uh, he might have had his own. He might have had ten women. Who knows? But he could fuck yours if he wanted to. He could fuck up your world if he wanted to. He could probably drink more beer, smoke more dope, fuck more women, and still laugh about it the next day. And you're going like, how does this motherfucker do it? Either way, he was getting over. Now, I'm not saying he drank beer, smoked dope, whatever. I'm just saying. He had that fucking, go back to Gino Hernandez, he had that fucking look, that style, add the fucking body, add the interview, and he's like, you know what? I'm getting over on every one of you motherfuckers. I'm getting over on every one of you fucking bitches. And he was a classic fucking heel. That's what makes Rick Rude come in at number fucking seven. And if we could, we'd probably rank him higher. But I know Jeremy loves him. I, I think the world of him as a fucking heel. And I think he stayed heel character pretty much probably at least 90% of his career, if not 95 to 100%. I don't know that he ever went babyface. I, I but, can't uh, think of a may time. may have in WC, or not, excuse me, ECW, he may have for a brief moment, but for the most part, he was 95% healed the entire career. Yeah, because, I mean, even even as an announcer, he was still kind of a smug asshole. Like in ECW, tonight we're going to have an orgy with violins. No, no, yeah. it's an orgy of violence. Yes, that's what I said. An orgy with violence. I remember him saying something about having. That's why I was getting at. That's why I wasn't sure if it was a babyface yeah. line cross. He said something along also. Uh, maybe it's Francine. I don't want to disrespect anyone, but it, we're going back, you know, twenty, twenty-five years. He said something about to like we're having rump roast, you know, and he put her over. But in the way he put her over, you know, yeah. it was just like you know, uh, and like you said, the family of, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where he. Man, he was just over. That's all there was to it. So, yeah, yeah, let's put Rick Rude. So, number 10, we got Gino Hernandez. Number 9, the great Kabuki. Number 8, superstar Billy Graham. Number 7, Rick Rude. And we're going to come up number 6, who does not and has not ever received as much respect in the business as he did, but he done great business, and that is... Our Uncle Ivan Koloff, man, a former WWF champion who has yet to be inducted into their fucking bullshit Hall of Fame, but he should be in every fucking Hall of Fame there is. Number six, Ivan Koloff. The Russian bear, Ivan Koloff. Mm. Capitalist dog. 
Great body. Great um, Great worker. Yeah, beat Bruno for the WWF title. Here's the thing. I don't know how many younger listeners we have. And I know there's like, you know, weird jokes and shit about Russia and stuff these days. For those of you who don't remember the Cold War from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, like really the Cold War, like post-Cuban Missile Crisis, you will never understand how fucking hated a Russian villain could be. Um, you know, now there's a lot of jokes about them hacking our elections and shit, but back in the day, there was a real pervasive daily existential threat of us getting nuked. Yep. And one of the things I used to love about Russian characters, especially in a, um, in a promotion that had like a U.S. or a uh, North American or a national title, was the threat of, I am going to win your U.S. title, take it back to Mother Russia, you'll never see it again. Yeah. Those were some of my favorites. Just, yeah. just the chicken shittiness you can pull with that. Now, Ivan yeah. Koloff, I don't believe was ever played as a chicken shit, though. The Russian bear, he had those thick thighs. Yeah. I don't think and they ever played him even slightly chicken shit. He I was... agree. I don't think they did either. Yeah. And what you're mentioning, he beat Bruno Sammartino, yes. who we went over before. I'm sure we'll go over in the future. What a what a great legend and a great uh, champion he was. The thing is, too, I, Ivan went and got a anti-American. Uh, I think it was the uh, the Russian flag type thing with the sickle with slicing the eagle head off tattoo. Legit back when people. Tattoos nowadays are common as fucking, uh, as, as a common cold, I guess. I don't know what to compare it to. Everyone has a fucking tattoo. I've got but 15 he, of them. He had a tattoo. Yep. I think you had that long ranger when I really, that's one of the ones I've seen of yours. I, uh, I do like those, yeah. um, as well. Um, but he had one back when people didn't necessarily didn't. always yeah. have tattoos unless you were a sailor and been around the world and, and maybe to show off that you had been to Singapore or you saw a fucking stripper or maybe you saw a donkey show in Mexico. I don't know. But I'm just saying, he had that tattoo that he had on there, and that's on your skin permanently, where it had like a sickle cutting off the American Eagle's head. And then also, you know, he just he had that talk, that build. And, and if you don't know about the Cuban missile crisis and the cold war and these type things here's the thing if you're listening to the show right now and, you, and more than likely everyone listening is in our age bracket or give or take a couple years they are aware of what we're talking about but let me reverse some psychology on you one time i was talking to this chick man we we just my friend of myself was in his car this girl kept flirting with us Blah, blah, blah. We follow this way back before cell phones, blah, blah, blah. We're following. We see where she turns off at. She turns off right by. Uh, she's in a car in front of us, flirting through the mirror. And she turns off at a house right beside one of where one of my friends lives. Well, I knew his address at the time, being a small town. And we go home. This back when we had phone books. And I looked and I said, you know what? I know where he lives. And they had their name out on their mailbox. And I said, this has got to be the one. So my buddy and I, we get on a phone, and I call this girl. She answered the phone. 
And man, we start going at it. We're having like this good conversation. He's on an extension. I'm like, I've got this. Don't worry about it. And we're talking this chick. And finally, I get to where, you know, we're talking about hookers and this and that. Man, obviously, my life, I'm no angel. So she finally says, do you know who you're talking to? She goes, you're talking to a 17-year-old girl. This is 30 years ago, guys. Uh, statute of limitation ran out. Just so. She goes, you're talking to a 17-year-old girl. You shouldn't be talking. I said, you know what? Put your mother on a phone. She'll know what to fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> and hung up. So my point is this. If you're listening to our show and you're old enough to understand what we're talking about with the Cuban Missile Crisis. We're talking about the Cold War. We're talking about the Russians nuking us, bomb shelters, and those type things. You know what? Go and tell your kids they need to fucking smarten up to the Bobby Blaze, the Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze podcast. You know what? Go out there and tell your kids Listen to this fucking podcast. You want to learn about some old school wrestling? You want to hear about some real fucking heels? Baby Faces was a couple of weeks ago. JYD was last week. Dusty Road was episode four. Uh, 900 fucking listeners to that show. You know what? Go back and get your kid, get your grandkid, uh, get your nieces, nephews, uh, bar the language. I don't give a fuck what you do. But tell them the opposite of what I told that young girl. Get your mother. She'll know what to fucking do. What Jeremy was talking about there at the Cold War and stuff like that, and Ivan Koloff coming at number six. Uh, you know what? Smarten your kids up and say, hey, listen to this. You want to know about some real wrestling? You want to know when it was a fucking, it wasn't, God forbid me, smack me in the back oh, of the fucking head. No, like, lightning strike me in the back of the fucking head. I'm not even going to say the fucking words. It's two words I hate. I'm not even going to say them, and I'm not going to use the F word. I'm just going to say, you want pro wrestling truth? You want pro wrestling history? If you hadn't said, here it comes, I would have said it, and I'm glad I didn't. But you want it? Here it is. Number 10, Gino Hernandez. Number 9, The Great Kabuki. Number 8, Superstar Billy Graham. Number 7, Rick Rude. And number 6, Ivan, the Russian Bear Koloff. Go do your fucking homework. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you are of age uh, that Jeremy and I are, then tell your kids and tell your grandsons and daughters, listen to this, because this is a straight shoot of the antagonistic pricks and bastards and heels of professional wrestling, which is going to take us to number five. So I saved myself, Jeremy, because I would have mm -hmm. said those two words. Well, so I, I've been to a few places and a few households where they have a swear jar, where every time you cuss, you have to put money into the jar. I am going to suggest that all fans of real pro wrestling slash southern style wrestling put a... <laughs> I'm going to have to say it now, just so everybody knows what I'm talking about. Put a jar in your house, and you're going to yeah. put two words on it. You're going to put the word yeah. sports entertainment on it. Uh, and every time. That fucking puke. And every time <laughs> that you or somebody in the house or the bar or whatever establishment, you got to put five bucks in there every time. We're breaking this shit. I saw, was it, uh, God, not Wade Keller. Somebody was on that Andre the Giant documentary on HBO. Yeah. And it wasn't Bill after, but it was one I don't of those. Know. Guys. Hell of a documentary. Watch it if you can. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank as to who it was as well, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But um well, he comes up on screen and they put his name up and underneath they put sports entertainment journalist. And I'm like, there is no such fucking thing. And the thing is, I don't know if anyone even heard of that fucking person. 
Oh no, everybody's heard of it. Um, it was uh, no heard of him. Who he was? Was he a legitimate journalist or not? Well, he yeah. Who's the guy that gets shit on all the time by by, uh, by uh, like Tony Schiavone and all those guys? Oh, fuck, uh, man. It's I'm not Wade Keller. Thing. It's it, it's one of those other guys, and I can't think of his name right now. But yeah, it was it's like a guy that we know, and he writes about pro wrestling. That's what it's he does. Not it's Meltzer, pro- is it? Yes, Dave Meltzer. Can't believe I couldn't come up with his name. I'm pretty sure it was Dave Meltzer. And they put sports entertainment journalist. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yeah, it was somebody yeah. else. Yeah, I think you're right. You're right. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's okay. I, I get, Bobby, I get fucking twisted up over this one. The WWE hates wrestling. Okay. They use its trappings to sell a product that is similar to wrestling. But what they do is they sell you a brand. They're not selling you the wrestlers. They're selling you themselves, and they're using the wrestlers to do it. I've said it before. They don't want you to go and cheer for your favorite tag team or wrestler or whatever. They want you to cheer for the company. Yeah. It would be just like every time you go to see the A's play, you cheer for the MLB. Yep. I love that analogy, by the way. I think you brought it up last show or two shows ago, but I love that analogy. We don't want you cheering for the NBA, or excuse me, we don't want you cheering for the WWE. F superstar. God damn it. I'm, I know what you're saying. You don't want to yeah. cheer for the tag team or the wrestler. We don't want you cheering for the A's or the Orioles or whoever. We want you cheering for Major League Baseball. We don't want you cheering for the fucking uh, Detroit Pistons. We want you cheering for the NBA. We don't want you cheering for Dallas Cowboys. We want you cheering for the NFL. I get what you're saying. I think that's what you're saying. Am I not correct? Oh, no, you're absolutely correct. Matter now, of fact, I just want to make sure I'm following you. Cause, yeah, Hulu. fucking with me. That's crazy because some of these guys, not some. All these guys are, in their own rights, they call them superstars nowadays. They're professional wrestlers. They're professional fucking athletes. And you should be able to cheer for your favorite yeah. fucking tag team, your favorite baby face, your fucking favorite heel, your fucking favorite wrestler, not the fucking goddamn company. Yeah. Put $5 in a jar somewhere for me, would you? I'm not going to mention those two words. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like back, the guys we're talking about right now, greatest regional heels. You know what they did? They went from territory to territory. They get stale somewhere. They go to another one. And you know what they did? They got people's asses in the seats. Every 18 inches apart, someone better be sitting there to make money. And they put asses in those fucking seats every 18 inches apart. Yep. And then when they'd slow down, they'd go somewhere else and they'd ramp up their shit and do it again. Nowadays, it's the same people in the same company over and over and over, and I'm looking at it right now on my Twitter, okay? Last time ever, The Undertaker versus Triple H. I couldn't give a shit if you stuffed that match up my ass, you know? I, I Give me something exciting and new and interesting. At least back in the old days when WWF was first starting to blow up, they'd go get a guy like Kamala and bring him in and let him run roughshod for a while. They'd go get, you know, another guy from another territory and give him a tryout. It wasn't this sh- homogenized shit now where they don't call their wrestlers wrestlers. They don't call wrestling wrestling. Hulu even ran an ad two or three years ago where a guy, you know, this kid saying that he almost quit his job because he couldn't watch WWE. And now he's got Hulu and he can watch it whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. At the very end of the commercial, he says, I'm a WWE fan. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a wrestling fan. I'm a WWE fan. Mm. Wrestling fans, they are not a wrestling if company I had anymore. A fucking bucket, I'd puke 
And if I saw that kid off that fucking Hulu commercial out in the street, I'd probably fucking stomp his fucking head in. Yeah. Cocksuckers. And the thing is, we I'm not saying. We are wrestling fans. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't be a WWE fan. If no. you like their product, if you like their product, great. Watch the yeah. shit out of it. Fuck, it's on 19 hours a week. It's got a whole Roku channel of its own. There you go. But if you're a wrestling fan and you and all you do is hate watch WWE, get the fight app, man. Go check out Ring of Honor. Go check out Impact. Go check out Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Go check out Booker T's promotion down there in Houston. Yeah. Um. Look around. Fuck. You know. Get out. Get out of your own backyard I went a little bit. To, uh, two independent shows last Saturday. I was only going to go to one. End up going to two. Both of them within about 45 minutes of each other. You turn me on Tech Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Here's the thing. I can't remember who, who tweeted it out. I think it's actually uh, Rip Rogers, who I have nothing but respect for. And someone may retweet or add it to it. I can't remember. But here's the thing. We're not shitting on WWE. We're not trying no. to. We're not encouraging you or discouraging you to watch their product. It, you watch what you want as a fan. Please. Please. Don't listen to me. And uh, I'm not shitting on them. Those guys are top athletes. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing: you got an all-in coming up. You got a a, a a star or something. I can't even think of what it's fucking called coming up. You got wrestling all over the fucking country and all over the world. Professional wrestling, the way it used to be presented, the way it should be presented, the way we liked it, the way we remembered it, whatever the fuck you want to put in there. So we're not saying don't watch WWE. I would never discourage you from watching anything wrestling that's related. But there's other alternatives out there. Jeremy and I talked about that a long time ago, maybe being a podcast. Uh, but, but here's the thing. It's just not maybe what I want to watch. That's not the product I want to watch. But guess what? Since I don't watch it, I watch about a week or two before WrestleMania. I watch the Hall of Fame. I watch the Takeovers. And I watch Mania. And that's my deal. That's my deal, and I get it. There's 53, or 53, goddamn, I can't do math. 51 other fucking weeks out of the year that, that I could be watching it that I choose not to. Now, I choose not to because I like professional wrestling. I'll find my professional wrestling elsewhere. With that said, let's just say this, is if that's what your cup of tea is, enjoy the fuck out of it. It's not mine. I'm not going to shit on it. Enjoy the fuck out of it, if you will. But to me, that's not what I want to watch. I'd rather go to an independent show and see some up-and-comer local talent that's going to make it one day. I'd like to see... Uh, I don't watch... Here's what I was getting at, I guess. And I know, I know we're on a time limit here, Jeremy. But here's the thing. What I was getting at is this. I'm not going to watch it because I used to see this shit on Facebook when I was on there and I got off of that fucking place. I see it some on Twitter and I just ignore the fuck of it because it's not a, not as prevalent. I'm not going to watch WWE on Monday and sit there and be an armchair quarterback and shit all over the product. People watch the fucking product and shit on it. You know what? If all you're going to do is bitch, moan, and complain about this guy or this angle or this girl and this and that, don't even fucking watch it. Why? Why? You're not, you don't own the fucking company. And it says it right there in the goddamn fucking name. Entertainment. Put a fucking $5 bill in there somewhere for me. Put it to our fucking GoFundMe. They say it right there in their name. We're entertainment. 
Now, you don't like that kind of entertainment? Don't shit on it or don't watch it. One or the fucking two. There's my rant. Do do whatever you want with it. I don't know because we're going to get into our top five in just a second. But here's the thing. That's what pisses me off maybe more than what WWE is doing, and that is this. They at least have fucking TV, the greatest production of all time. And if you're an aspiring wrestler, get your ass up there. Get your ass in shape. Learn to fucking do a promo and be more than a fucking enhancement talent and fucking become a fucking WWE superstar. More power to you. Go for it. That's the fucking, that's where you should be if that's what you aspire to be in this business of professional wrestling. But don't be the person that sits there and watches it and shits on it. Just don't fucking watch it. That's why Jeremy doesn't watch it, I imagine. That's why I don't watch it, because I'm not going to shit on it every time I watch it. Because I know how talented those guys are. I know how rigged and rugged that fucking schedule is to be on a road like that 300 fucking days a year, because I've been there and done that, and it's Fucking the money might be great, but you don't fucking have time to spend it. And if you're not spending it, some fucking whore at home spending it for you. So what are you going to do? You fucking come home, your body's aching, your fucking bank account's broke, and you're like, God damn it, I got to go back out again for another two weeks. So, you know, here's the thing. If you watch it, enjoy it, love it. If you don't fucking love it, don't watch it. Just don't shit on it, man, because... There are alternatives. Ring of Honor, Impact, uh, All In, and everything else is coming up here in the near future. Uh, all Japan, New Japan. There's all kinds of alternatives. There's independent wrestling. God damn it, I'm on another rant. We're going to go way over a fucking hour right now, Jack. Yeah. But you yeah, get me going, man. And we're giving them their fucking 90 minutes they wanted. This is the one podcast we may go 90 fucking minutes. So if you're listening, don't tune out, dudes. Tune in because it's about to get even better. Yep. Also, I do want to point out, I think it's this weekend, Cody Rhodes versus Nick Aldis for the NWA title. Is that the all-in? That's the all-in. This weekend yeah. in Chicago. And if you're listening to this, you'll probably be on your way driving across the country from Philadelphia to uh, uh, Chicago. Uh, I know someone it is. Um, the Blue Meanie is. I know that. He's going to stop at his favorite hamburger stand up in Lima, Ohio, home of Al Snow. Shout out. Thank you. But I'm just saying there's a lot of people. Kevin Sullivan took a Bobby Blaze shirt with him, said he's going to be going to All In. My man, Demo Man, giving him a shout out. He took a Bobby Blaze shirt, said I'll be at All In. I hope every – and I know Nick is your man. I know you like him. You turned me on to him. I didn't do the name association until you told me who he was. But here's the thing. If you're going to All In – by the time you're li- maybe you're listening to this, going to all in. We hope you're enjoying this fucking podcast. But you know what? I know Jeremy probably thinks it. I'm thinking it, and that's this. We hope you have a fucking hell of a weekend, all weekend long. Thursday night when you get there, all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Enjoy the fucking experience, man, because it's going to be a real big deal out there in Chicago at all in. And that's all I'll say about that. How's that? That is pretty fucking good. We um, we have taken that little that little direction uh, there. Yeah, you know what? Again, I don't want to shit on the WWE. That's not what no, I'm here to do. That was that wasn't our intention. We know that. Yeah. Uh, so if if I don't want anybody who's out there who is a fan of theirs to feel like you're being attacked, that's not it at all. If you no. like it, I'm glad you do. That's awesome. It's not for me. But that being said, we'll move on to number five. 
well, let's do this. Can mm-hmm. we take? We're actually going to do something a little different. We're going to break here and come back next week with numbers five through one. This episode got a little bit away from us. And I don't want to run too much longer than an hour, especially since there's another hour of the show to go. So everybody, thank you for listening. For Bobby Blaze and myself, Jeremy Vilmer, bye-bye, everybody. I hope you don't mind if I call you Ravishing. Uh, maybe I better call you Rick. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Well, you can call me Ravishing. Yeah, Everybody yeah. else does. Where did you get that nickname? Well, to be truthful with you, uh, the nurses at the hospital I was born at named me Ravishing Rick Rude. And by the way, it was around the jo- around the clock job, them keeping an eye on me. The other mothers in the hospital were constantly trying to exchange their uh, boy babies with me. Rick, I know you recently won a Slammy Award, the Jesse the Body Ventura Award for the Best Body. That had to be a, a real thrill for you. Well, yes, it was a thrill. All right. Ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah. Now, you've got, obviously, impressive body here. Uh, the best body. Uh, you, of course. Uh, you must put in some serious hours at the gym. How do you uh, find time for wrestling and working out at the gymnasium? Well, the key there, I think, is uh, efficiency. I'm very efficient when I get in the gym. I don't spend much time, as you might say, uh, BSing. I get down to business. I'm in and out within an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you compare wrestlers with some of the other athletes in terms of pure athletic ability? Well, it's, it's very hard to compare athletes because everyone has their own particular field. But as far as uh, a rigorous schedule, I don't think that there is another athlete in the world whose schedule can compare with the professional wrestler on the road 365 days a year. Now, what would it take for me, for example, to put together a great body like that? Maybe just a couple hours at the... Uh at the gym there? Uh, huh? You know, Whitey, pretty, what yeah. I think it would take for you is probably to die and be reborn as the son of my mother and father. He's a kidder. Ravishing Rick Rude. He's a great kidder. Thanks for joining us.